All right, well, good morning. Glad to have you all here with us this morning, worshiping with us. Uh, It's great to have everyone here uh, for parent commissioning this morning. As we said, this is just a great time, and and it's also a testament to seeing disciples being raised up in this place, right? That's what Jesus calls us to do, is to raise up disciples, and so it's just incredible. Parent commissioning is a way that we we can showcase exactly what God is doing here at The Rock and all across Decatur County and across Greensburg, and so it's just great to be here with you this morning, great to be worshiping with you today. And so it's also an exciting day because we're starting a new series today. Um, we, if, if you've been with us over the past few months, you know that we went through our 4W series at the beginning of the year talking about what a disciple is. And so now we get to go back and go line by line and verse by verse through some books of the Bible. And so the new series we're starting today is a series through the minor prophets. And so this is a series that we're starting um, through from Hosea to Malachi. Right there, if you don't know what the minor prophets are, these are the last 12 books of the Old Testament from, again, Hosea to the book of Malachi leading up to the New Testament and the four Gospels. And so we're going to walk through these, these books um, of the uh, minor prophets. And so there's a central theme, as, we, as we'll see as we walk through these books, there's a central theme to these minor prophets throughout these 12 books. And the theme is this, God's people have turned away from him, right? They've turned away from him in pride, in idolatry. They've turned away from him to fulfill the desires of their flesh, to control their own way. So we're going to see that as we read through that. And as we read through that, we have to think like, that looks a little bit like the world today, right? That looks a little bit like what we see today, right? A people who are striving for their flesh, striving for their own way, worshiping idols, And so we're going to see that as we walk through this, and this theme is going to stand out as we look at God's people who have turned away from him, and the theme is this, God is calling for his people to return to him. All throughout these next 12 minor prophets, we're going to see over the next several weeks, God calling his people through the prophecies to turn back to the Lord, turn back to him. He wants Israel to have a relationship with him. He deeply desires Israel to turn back towards a relationship with him. And that's what he desires for his people. And so today, as we open up this series this morning, we're going to start in Hosea chapter three. And so if you would go ahead and get your Bibles out, turn to Hosea chapter three. Now, if you don't have a Bible with you this morning, we say this every week, but we just want to ensure that everyone has a copy of God's word. And so if you don't have a Bible, you can find a copy of God's word underneath the seat in front of you. So if you want to go ahead and pull that out, we're going to be, again, Hosea chapter 3. If you're using one of our pew Bibles this morning, it's going to be on page 704 in that Bible. And I want to say, I encourage you to get God's word out every single week. But today, I deeply encourage you to get a Bible in front of you this morning. We're going to be moving around a little bit here. Um, as, you know, as you opened up Hosea, you were probably like, well, there's a lot of chapters in here. Like, are we going to go through every line and verse? We're not, okay? You're not going to be here till four o'clock today, I promise. We're going, to, we're going to give you a quick synopsis of the book and dive into the central theme. And so in order to do that, we're going to have to move around a little bit. So I encourage you, get a Bible in front of you this morning. If you don't own a Bible and you've picked one of those pew Bibles up, take that one home with you. Right, that's our gift to you this morning as well. And so, again, if you're in the Pew Bible, page 704, Hosea chapter 3, the very first minor prophet. And so, um, as, you're, as you're doing that, as you're getting your Bible out, 
Um, I want to ask everyone a question here. Did, did everyone in here read Dr. Seuss when they were a kid? Dr. Seuss books? Show of hands. All right, a lot of them. Okay, all right. So I, I did too. I loved these books when I was a kid. Still love them. Uh, books like Green Eggs and Ham, Hop on Pop, Cat in the Hat, The Lorax. Right? We're all familiar with all these wacky Dr. Seuss titles. And so um, it, I loved these books when I was a kid. My mother used to read them to me when I was a child. And in fact, we read them to our kids as well. Me and my wife, we read these to our four children um, all the time. And so, but you know what's interesting about these Dr. Seuss books is that have you ever had someone read it to you without showing you the pictures? Like it's weird. It's like it doesn't make any sense. It, it doesn't make any sense at all. You're, I remember I had my wife one time, I heard her reading uh, Green Eggs and Ham to one of the girls. And I was off to the side of the room doing something else, and I just overheard her reading it. And I kind of sat there for a minute, and I just remember thinking, like, without seeing the pictures, this book makes no sense. <laughs> I, get to, I don't get it. It's, it's weird without the pictures. And in fact, as I think about Green Eggs and Ham in my mind, I can see the pictures visually in my mind. So they help me to get an understanding of, of the book. But without them, especially in a Dr. Seuss book, it's hard to pick up exactly what the author wants us to understand about green eggs and ham. And so it just goes to show you that illustrations can be pretty important, right? In a Dr. Seuss book especially, illustrations can be very important. But not just in a Dr. Seuss book, but in other books, illustrations are helpful. In books and even in, in, in preaching a sermon, Right? Illustrations can be um, a huge help in grasping and understanding and relating and applying a text that you're reading to your life or, or understanding what the author is trying to move you to do. And so that's, that's, that's what we do in sermon writing. In fact, that's what we just did with the Dr. Seuss book. That was an illustration. So there we go. We've, we were part of it together, right? And so we're going to see that this morning, though. This morning, as we open up to the first minor prophet of Hosea, the Lord's going to give us a powerful illustration to help us resonate and understand his faithfulness and unconditional love for us. He's going to give us a powerful illustration of his faithfulness and love, and that'll help us as a church, as a body of believers, to grasp exactly what the Lord is saying, how exactly he's characterizing his faithfulness and unconditional love for his people. So we're going to dive into that here in a second, but before we get into the text, quick overview of Hosea, right? If I have anyone in here who's never read Hosea, like who is this guy? When was this written? And so we're just going to give you a quick overview of this writing in Hosea. So this writing of Hosea was written about 750 years before the birth of Jesus. All right, so 750-ish BC. And Hosea was a prophet. And the cool thing about Hosea is he had one of the longest ministries of any of the prophets. Uh, the, the history tells us that uh, Hosea, Hosea prophesied for 60 to 70 years. Right, which is pretty rare for a prophet of the Lord because most often they were killed for their prophecy. And so Hosea had this long ministry for the Lord, long prophecy uh, for the Lord. And so as we read in Hosea chapter one, at the beginning of his writings, he's writing this during a time of the reign of a king named Jeroboam II. Okay, and what's important about this is that during the reign of King Jeroboam II, Israel was very prominent, right? Not only that, they were peaceful, 
right, which was rare for these people. They had a time of peace, and they were prominent, had great prosperity for Israel. They had a lot of security. They had a stable economy. Like, things were going good during the reign of Jeroboam II. Very prominent. They had money, stability, security. But something interesting happens over and over again through the Old Testament. The moment that God's people become prominent and comfortable, their morality falls. It happens very quickly. And so that's what we're seeing here in Hosea. Right? These people are comfortable, they're prosperous, but their, their moral fiber, the way they're behaving, is just quickly declining. And so the Bible tells us, Hosea tells us, that the people begin to swear. They begin lying, begin murdering and stealing, committing adultery, right? dabbling in prostitution and incest. Right? They're fully breaking God's laws to them. Not only that, but they've begun to worship another god, right? a false god by the name of Baal. And so they begin to bring alms to this God and, and sacrifice animals to him and get on their face and worship this false God, this false pagan God. And on top of that, instead of trusting the Lord with their security, like he promised them all throughout the Old Testament, they sought foreign alliances with other countries to secure themselves. So basically, they're doing everything opposite of what the Lord has commanded them to do for a thousand years. Everything they're doing is opposite of what he has commanded his people to do. Israel has breached its covenant with the Lord. And so if you're not familiar with the covenant that Israel has, and we can find an example of this covenant in Exodus, the book of Exodus, what's called the Mosaic Covenant through Moses. And the covenant was this. God says, if you follow my law... If you follow me, follow my commandments, I will be with you and I will bless you. And that's a, that's a covenant that he made with Israel. But now, the Israelites are no longer worshiping the Lord. Right? They're worshiping false gods, worshiping idols. And so Hosea is here to tell the people of Israel, you have fallen away from the Lord, the true Lord. You have fallen away from God you have turned your back on him. You have broken your covenant with him. And he's there to tell the people, the Lord will punish your transgressions. And that's exactly what he does. As we read through Hosea, we find that the Lord does punish Israel for their transgressions. Like a, like a disappointed father and a child who is disobeyed, he is punishing Israel. And so we find that their alliances that they have, these foreign alliances, they begin to crumble. And in fact, some of these alliances, they turn against them. The kingdom falls. The people are taken into slavery, and Israel, once again, is in the desert. Right? It's in exile again from the Lord. They went from prosperous and comfortable to their face in the dirt. They're exiled once again, but because of God's love and faithfulness to his people, to his word, there's hope for Israel. And the hope for Israel is illustrated through the commission that the Lord gives to Hosea here in chapter 1. If you would look with me here, Hosea chapter 1 verse 2, the Lord says this. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go 
Take to yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom. For the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. Okay, so this is weird, right? So you might be thinking like, what did he just say? What did he just have this prophet do? You heard correctly. He says, Hosea, my faithful follower, go take a prostitute for a wife. And Hosea does it. All right, he takes, takes a prostitute for a wife, a, a woman by the name of Gomer. Okay, he goes and he takes Gomer as a wife. And then the Lord says, go and have children with Gomer. And so he does. Hosea has three children with Gomer. What's happening here is that God's using this illustration to compare the people of Israel to Gomer, to a prostitute. All right, a prostitute who has turned their back on their faithful husband, who has committed sin, who's committed adultery. All right, so the Lord's using this illustration to show this union between a faithful follower of the Lord, a faithful husband, and an adulterous wife. And he's going to show how God himself has taken the people of Israel as his own. He's blessed them in multiplication, right? Hosea and Gomer had children together. He's blessed them. The Lord has blessed Israel to multiply throughout the land, even though they're unfaithful. They're an unfaithful people to a loving and faithful God. And through this union, through the union of Hosea and Gomer, the Lord will show us his love and faithfulness here as we dive in to chapter 3. And so as we do that, we're going to see three points this morning in chapter 3. Three points of God's love and faithfulness to his people. And the first point is this. We're going to see here in verse 1 of chapter 3, God's unconditional love for us. Let's get into the word here. Eyes on chapter 1 of, I'm sorry, verse 1 of chapter 3. And the Lord said to me, Go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. We're going to stop there. We're going to dig in right here for just a second. What we just saw here is God's unconditional love for his people. Right? We see God's faithfulness and love for Israel. Right? Through the commission he has given to Hosea to return again to Gomer. Although we have to look at that. Return again to her, he says. So it means that he's married Gomer, who he knew was a prostitute, who he knew was unfaithful. He's had children with her, and now she's gone off again to another man. And instead, instead of the Lord telling Hosea, hey, leave her because she's committed adultery, He says, go again and love her. Go again and love Gomer, even though she has given herself to another. Go and love her again. Go and love her, even though she's done absolutely nothing to deserve it. She's not done anything to deserve Hosea's love. In fact, she's done everything the opposite of what a loving wife should do. She's broken this sanctity of marriage, this this bond of trust has been broken by Gomer. 
The kind of love that the Lord is calling Hosea to have for his adulterous wife is called unconditional love. And this word, unconditional, when we look at the definition of unconditional, it means this, unqualified, absolute, without any parameters or conditions. Right? Unconditional love is not a love that is earned or worked for, but a love that is constant and unwavering. And so God is using this scenario and his command here to Hosea to show the nation of Israel, this is how I love my children, unconditionally. I love them without condition. In fact, we can see that there's no condition for this love because understand, the nation of Israel has not done anything to earn God's love. He says here in the end of verse 1, says that, that uh, they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins, right? These cakes of raisins, or if you're, depending on what you're reading, it may say flagons of wine, right? This is an a, uh, offering that was used in rituals to pagan gods. And so this was the, the bountiful uh, bounty of, of pagan gods, and they would use this to offer to Baal, and so God's saying, well, you haven't done anything worth my, worth my love, but in, you have it anyway. This is the love I have for my children. It's an unconditional love. And though they've turned away from him, God unconditionally loves Israel. And so let that sink in for a second. And we've been talking through the series in the four W's. And before that, we were in Isaiah during Christmas. And before that, we were in Romans for a bit during Thanksgiving. And we were talking about the sinfulness of man. Right, and we've done nothing to deserve God's love. And the Bible tells us here today that though we are sinners, we are still loved by the Lord. And he's going to show us continually how much he loves us through his actions. Keep reading with me here in verses 2 through 4 says this. Hosea says, so I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a lethic of barley. And I said to her, you must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore or belong to another man, so I will also be to you. For the children of Israel shall dwell many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, without ephod or household gods. The Lord shows us here in verses 2 through 4, his willingness to sacrifice to rescue us, right? It's apparent here, as we read in that first verse, it's apparent that Gomer has gotten herself into some sort of, of trouble, some sort of slave agreement, prostitution slave agreement, and she can't get out of it, right? He says that he had to buy her for 15 shekels and barley, and we know that this is some sort of slave agreement because the debt that she owes, that she can't pay on her own, it, it equals up, these, these, this silver and this barley equals up to about 30 shekels, which was equal to the amount due by the law as compensation for the loss of a slave. And so if you want to buy somebody's freedom, it was 30 shekels. And so Gomer has gotten herself in a bad situation that she can't get out of. And Hosea, called by the Lord, pays her debts. Pays her debts to her lovers or her slave owners, whatever she's gotten into, he goes and pays her debts. 
Did she do anything to deserve that? It's okay. Did she do anything to deserve that? No. She did not. In fact, again, she's been adulterous. She's been sinful. And yet the Lord calls Hosea to go and pay her debt. Gomer's undeserving. She's done nothing to earn it. But the unconditional love and willing sacrifice through the Lord, the debt is paid by Hosea. This shows us God's willingness to deliver us from a grave situation. Even though we don't deserve it, even though we've done nothing to earn it, through his grace and mercy, the Lord will rescue us. I hope this is starting to sound familiar to you. Christ followers in the room. I don't want to, no spoiler alert, but I hope that this is starting to to resonate with you a little bit, what we're seeing here. Keep reading with me, and we'll see how this ends out in verse 5. Verse 5 says, Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they shall come in fear to the Lord and to his goodness in the latter days. What we're seeing here is that God's going to call his people back and give them absolute restoration. He says here, afterward, after you've sinned, after I have paid for your debts, after I've loved you and paid for your debts, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God. They seek him. He will restore them, welcome them back with open arms. Right Again, though they don't deserve it, God says, come back, come back, return to me, return to me, and I will welcome you back with open arms. This is a call to the people of Israel to return to him, returning to his goodness. The Lord's telling his people, I will restore you. I will restore you. That's how faithful he is. That not only... Will he love us unconditionally? Not only is he willing to pay a debt that is ours, but through this union of Gomer and Hosea, he's showing us that he will fully restore us, like unblemished. He will make it to like we never, we never sin, like we are righteous. Like, can you imagine that? Like, if you're sitting in the seat this morning and you're married, like, could you imagine having a spouse that, has cheated on you. And the, the, the difference that what the Lord, what, what the world would call you to do compared to what the Lord is calling Hosea to do, right? The unconditional love you would have to have to take that spouse back and then to treat her as if it never happened, to treat her as if she was righteous. I mean, that's, that's a, an undescribable love. Right? That's a love that only the Lord can show. Only through Jesus can we show that. And that's exactly what's happening here. When you look at this book of Hosea as a whole, this is what God is saying. He's saying, even though you are sinful, I love you unconditionally. We talked about that, how God has this unconditional love for Israel. Even though you are sinful, I will sacrifice for you willingly. Even though you were sinful and have turned away from me and you've worshiped a false God, I will restore you to me fully. Now return to me. Return to me. That's what he's calling his people to do, to come back to him. 
And that is on repeat all through this prophecy in Hosea. Yes, full of God's wrath, right? He tells him, I will punish you. You've been sinful. I will punish you. Come back to me. Come back to me. Any parents in the room have small children or have had small children? When they get in trouble, they know they've gotten in trouble. I don't know about you guys, but my daughters, first thing they do when I have gotten upset with them for doing something wrong, they come rushing towards me. That's what God's calling for us to do today. Come back to me. If you have strayed away, come back to me and I will welcome you with open arms. And hear this, church. If you haven't connected these dots yet, let me connect them for you. This prophecy is preached 780 years before it was fulfilled by Jesus. This prophecy isn't just about the wrath of God or the unconditional love for his people in this time period. When you read Hosea, you should see Jesus Christ. This is a prophecy of Jesus, plain as day. Love plus sacrifice plus restoration equals Jesus. Now, if you don't, if you don't think that's true, let's look. Let's, let's go to the Bible for the truth. Let's go to the Bible for the answers. We talked about unconditional love, right? In John 3, 16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God has unconditional love. Did we do anything to deserve Jesus coming down from his throne in heaven humbly and willingly going to the cross for us. No, sir. He has unconditional love for us, and Jesus showed us that love through his sacrifice. The next thing, willing sacrifice. We talked about that. 1 Peter 2.24. He himself bore our sins in his body on that tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Jesus went willingly to the cross to die for our sins. Did we deserve for Jesus to go willingly to the cross to die for our sins? No, sir. In Romans 5, 9 through 10, absolute restoration. Paul says this, Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now we have been reconciled. Shall we be saved by his life? Jesus brought absolute restoration between sinful man and a righteous God. We talked about this a few weeks ago, about how Jesus is the propitiation for our sin, that he paid the price, the penalty for our sin. If you weren't here with us, quick recap of that. As sinners, we are enemies of God, right? God is good. God is just. He is holy. Sin cannot stand before God. We hear about that in Isaiah, right? Light cannot stand before the darkness. Or I'm sorry, darkness cannot stand before the light. Darkness can't stand before the Lord. And as sinners, we are darkness. And so Jesus came willingly down to be the propitiation, the punishment that we deserve, which was death. Jesus took that on on the cross so that we could live eternally through him. He is our absolute restoration. He is our absolute salvation. Jesus Christ is who's being prophesied in this book. In fact, if you're still not on board with it, 
Look at me at this. The name of this book, the name of this prophet is Hosea. All right, in Hebrew, that's the word Hosea, which means salvation. And if you're still not on board, if you're still not sure that this is Jesus that Hosea is prophesying about, look with me at Hosea chapter 6, verses 1 through 2, says this. Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us, that he may heal us. He has struck us down, and he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us, and on the third day, we will raise up, and that we may live before him. That is prophecy of Resurrection Sunday that we celebrate every year during Easter. In the book of Hosea, the Lord is telling the people, I love you unconditionally, and I'm going to show it by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Why? Because God is faithful. God is faithful to his word. This is a promise, the promise of Jesus, the promise of an eternal savior is given to us over and over and over again in the Old Testament. God's been telling his people, I will send the Messiah. I will send the savior over and over again. If you don't believe me, open the Bible. Start to read the Bible. I encourage you, dive into the Old Testament. Seek Jesus. You will find him there. This is just one example of God's promise to send Jesus. And so as we think about this, as this resonates with us, and as we round out our time this morning together, you might be asking, okay, I I get it. I see Jesus, but like, how how does this affect me now? What do I do with this today? Well, if you're a believer in this room and you're a sinner, which we all are, if you're struggling in a sin pattern, if you're falling short in a sin struggle now, God is telling you here, repent and return to me. All right, no matter what that looks like, right, you're a follower of Jesus, and maybe you've just, you've strayed, you've strayed from him. It doesn't matter if it's been a week or a year or five years. Like, I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus, I put my faith in him, but I'm not really living like he's called me to live. Repent of your sin, turn back to Jesus. Turn back to a walk with him. He desires to have an intimate relationship with you. Turn back to him, confess your sin. Bible tells us, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Confess your sin, turn back to the Lord. If you're a believer in this room and you know someone else, another brother, another sister in Christ who's having a sin struggle, open up Hosea. Show them the unconditional love that the Lord has to them through the gospel of Jesus. Lead them back into a walk abiding in him. If you're a non-believer in this room, if you haven't accepted Jesus as your savior, you're like, how does this affect me? Hear this. Salvation is a free gift. Just like Gomer, we've done nothing to deserve this. 
Right? There's no amount of work we could have done to earn this, this gift of eternal life. It is a free gift from the Lord. It's not earned through works, but only through, the, through faith and faith alone in the blood of Jesus Christ. In the shed blood of Jesus, through his death, burial, and resurrection, just as we just read in Hosea chapter 6, we have been redeemed and healed from our afflictions. Redeemed and healed from sin. We have been shown as righteous in front of God through Jesus. So if you're in this room today, no matter how bad your life is, no matter how far you think you're astray, I'm too far gone, right? No matter if you have a struggle with drugs or alcohol or pornography or whatever it is, you are not too far gone. The Lord is telling you here in his word, return to me, come to me. I will give you rest. I will give you eternal life. In Hosea, we see that God's people have completely turned away from him. Remember, they're worshiping another God. I don't think it can get much worse than that. They've said, Lord, you are not almighty. You are not powerful. You are not holy. We're going to worship Baal. I mean, they've turned their back towards the Lord. And he still says, I love you. I unconditionally love you. Come back to me. He's still faithful to his people. And so I plead with you this morning, if you're a, not a believer, if you have not put your faith in Christ alone, I plead with you this morning, place your faith in Jesus. I be rescued from sin. I put your eternal life in the gospel. Do it today. If you have questions about that, you can seek out someone here with a name tag, with a rock name tag on. They will help walk you through the gospel. If you're interested at all in that, I pray that you come forward. I plead with you that you come forward and speak to one of our team members. We will help shepherd you and disciple you towards Jesus. And I, so I pray, I just want to take some time as a church here as we round out our time and just pray for that that hearts are impacted today by the gospel. Right now in this place, in this city, in this county, in this state across the world, today, people hear Jesus knocking on the door and they go and answer it. They unharden their hearts and see the unconditional love of Jesus Christ through his word. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your gospel. Without it, we're dead, every single one of us, Lord. Father, we, like Gomer, constantly turn away from you, constantly turn to idols. We're pulled in different directions by the world, by idols, by our flesh, by our own pride. Lord, I just pray that as a believer in here, as a follower of Jesus, that you would put this text on our heart this week, if we're struggling with that, that we would see your unconditional love, that it would, that it would motivate us to turn away from our sin and back into step with you, abiding in you, abiding in your word, the way you've called us. Jesus, I pray if there's anyone in this room and this may be the first time they've heard the gospel and they haven't put their faith in it yet. Father, I pray that they open their heart to you. That they seek you in your word. 
they would go home and, and open up the truth of your word, the revelation of everything. They would open it up and see you for who you are. Not what the world tells them, Lord. Not the Jesus that the world tells them to believe in. The Jesus from the Bible, the true Christ. Lord, I just pray that for the hearts of the people here. Lord, that they hear the ministry of reconciliation coming from the mouths of the disciples and Christ followers in this room today. Father, change hearts in this place. Grow your kingdom today. We worship you, Lord. We glorify you for your gospel. We glorify you for everything you do. And we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.